Welcome to The Sound of Goshen, brought to you by the Goshen Chamber of Commerce and your community health system, Goshen Health. Getting well and staying well, that's living vibrantly. Goshen Health can get you there. Feel better, do more, live vibrantly. Visit livevibrantly.com. This week's podcast episode, Sounds of Service. Welcome to The Sound of Goshen. I'm your host, Vince Turner. Today's episode, The Sounds of Service, featuring Melissa Kaufman-Schrock. She is the Executive Director of the Center for Healing and Hope here in Goshen. Sound of Service, presented in part by DJ Construction, serving our community for more than 65 years. DJ Construction, decidedly different. Uh, Melissa, first of all, welcome to the program and welcome to the Center for Healing and Hope. I know time has sped by quickly, but uh, you seem to have found uh, found your pathway, seem to have found your footing, and uh, now you're running through the challenges that come with healthcare here in Goshen and in Elkhart County. It has been an interesting two years for sure. I started in March, uh, March 9th of 2020. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I was coming into an organization that provided healthcare to people who are uninsured. And that's what I did. But we also got hit with a pandemic. And so it sort of changed my focus. It really was like, welcome to this service. Oh, by the way, the pandemic has just started. And, right. and here we go. Uh, I want to, and, and one of the things I wanted to talk about is what we've learned through the course of the pandemic. But let's Let's open this a little bit. I just want to talk about you for a little bit um, because you've served um, at AMBS um, over in Elkhart and then served Greenkoff Foundation for a while. And now you're with the Center for Healing and Hope. And your heart is obviously in the nonprofit and in the service organizations. What has that journey been like for you? I started working in the nonprofit world more than 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I had I had worked in the for-profit world. I, I actually have a degree in religion, but have worked in business for most of my life. And I worked in the nonprofit world. And when I got a taste of, uh, I worked in the for-profit world, but I got a taste of the nonprofit world about 22 years ago. And I just felt like it fit with my values and my worldview and um, my faith. And that's what has driven me forward in in my career. So when you go from from the seminary to working at the foundation and working with elder care and now working with general health care mm-hmm. um, through the Center of Healing and Hope, what have been some of the common denominators? Common denominators are uh, service. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, when I was working as director of development at the seminary, it was about... Um, it was about championing, championing a mission, mm-hmm. uh, the mission to provide really well-rounded, well-educated, um, spiritually mature leaders for the church and other sectors of society. And for me, that that hit home. I thought that that was a really important thing. And so the mission of what we were doing mm-hmm. was the driving factor there, the mission of caring for um, people who um, in the the last years of their lives who need a place to live and um, and and need care to um, 
champion the mission of caring for older adults in their final years was the driving force mm -hmm. there. Um, and the driving force at Center for Healing and Hope really is about serving people who experience barriers mm -hmm. to health care um, within our community. And we know that there are over 20,000 people in Elkhart County who don't have health insurance. And we know that many of those people are low income. And so they often will go without care mm -hmm. because they're afraid of cost. And maybe they don't feel like they have access because of language skills. And we're there to provide that. And a healthy community is built on healthy people. And if only some people have the privilege of access to health care and others don't, then we have a problem with the health of our community. Well, and that segues into, into the mission of Center mm -hmm. for Healing and Hope. Um, talk about the genesis of the organization and, and where you stand right now. Sure. So we talk, We started out as a parish nurse program. Uh, Terry Weddles, and a parish nurse out of St. John's Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. And Dr. John Mann was also a doctor who really cared about um, people in the community who didn't have access to health care. And so it started out of St. John's Catholic Church in 1999, seeing people for sore throats and um, rashes and those kinds of urgent care needs. And then it, as the demand increased, then this, the organization uh, grew and changed with it. So for about 20 years, the center was basically serving people who were had urgent needs. Mm -hmm. They would line up outside of whichever church we were located at, and um, volunteer docs and nurses would triage patients and then decide who had the most uh, significant uh, concerns. They would get care. Sometimes people would wait for three or four hours before they could be seen by a doctor or a nurse practitioner. And so it was a model that was working, but it wasn't ideal. And we also see, saw people coming over and over again for um, concerns about diabetes and hypertension. Mm. And so in about 2018, we developed a, a chronic care program to treat people with diabetes. And that included access to medications, it included diabetes education and some of the screening tools that were really important to keep people healthy. Mm -hmm. And we were able to offer those at a, a significantly reduced cost. Um, and we saw really, really good outcomes in terms of managing diabetes. And I would imagine that that's, you know, for when, when we talk about where the future of Center for Healing and Hope can go, those outcomes that you were able to produce there have made funders, the medical community, and everybody else stand up a little bit because, you know, and, and trying to avoid stereotypes. But if you look at especially diabetes, um, with the demographics you serve, um, whether it's racially or uh, in terms of poverty levels or whatever the mm -hmm. case may be, some of it generational, uh, we're talking about a higher percentage of our population that would deal with that specific subject, correct? That is absolutely true. There is... Some evidence that um, members of uh, sort of Latino descent mm -hmm. have a higher risk of diabetes than than people who aren't uh, 
from the Latina of Latino descent. Mm -hmm. And um, and it is true that people who are low income often have uh, a higher risk of diabetes, partially because of access to nutritious food. Mm -hmm. Salt, fat, and sugar are cheap and readily available. And people who may not have transportation to get to the grocery store may not have funds to be able to purchase fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, all of those things can add to the risk of, of diabetes. So you did education as well. We did. Yeah. We had uh, a diabetes nurse educator, um, Barb Landis. She was fantastic. She was instrumental in helping people understand their disease and really take ownership of it. Mm -hmm. We have another, Barb retired, and now Viviana Madrigal is our diabetes nurse educator. She's fantastic as well. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's a matter of helping people to understand their disease as opposed to just sort of throwing medicine at the symptoms. Well, and again, making that transition from doing triage for, for you know, treating what has already happened to helping prevent and educate before you know yes. things start to happen. Mm -hmm. So, you know, here you are, you 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 come back into the into the nonprofit world and this is a mission that calls to your heart and you're sitting there as we said at the top of the program here and all of a sudden, whoop, here we are, we're in the middle of COVID. Um is there any way to, you know, for us to be able to sit back and go wow. Um is there any way to describe how hard that hit? Uh, especially in the community you serve, it, it it is it is almost indescribable, really, because um, you know we all thought that it was going to be four weeks, six mm -hmm. weeks, maybe three months at at the most. But it obviously two years later, we are mm -hmm. you know people are still getting sick. Um. One of the things that was significant for us that we saw uh, in our work was that people, um, the people that we serve generally, so mm -hmm. uninsured, below 300% poverty level, and mostly Hispanic, those folks were calling us and saying, hey, I have a cough that won't go away. I've got a high fever. Mm -hmm. I, you know, have... Um, all these symptoms that were aligning with COVID symptoms. And we saw that early on. And it's, it, it was obvious to us from our standpoint mm -hmm. that the Hispanic community was being hit really hard. And then, you know, there are many people who drive the economy here in Elkhart County. Mm -hmm. Many people who drive the, the economy and some of those people, when um, factories shut down and businesses shut down, some of those people were left without access to government programs, stimulus checks, those kinds of things. Plus, they were getting sick on top of that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, I mean, we saw it. It wasn't until later in the summer that the rest of the world kind of picked well, and, up on it. <laughs> and then it hit hard. And then I mean, it, it hit just hard. hit really hard. And 
the outgrowth of that, when we started that climb back after you got hit and then many of the other uh, areas of the community started to experience that same hit, um, this was an opportunity for the Center for Healing and Hope to really step up. I mean, uh, there were folks that I'm sure that, that when they passed the building on Lincoln Avenue went, mm, what is that? There are an awful lot of people now who know you were one of the drivers. Your organization was one of the drivers of getting testing into our area, which was a huge benefit. Right. So at the beginning of the pandemic, we were located down on the corner of Plymouth mm-hmm. and Maine at the Plymouth United Church of Christ. We had the center had been there for 10 years and we had a big parking lot and we decided that um, because we weren't because we our patients weren't getting the kind of access to testing mm-hmm. that they needed um we decided to start our own testing program so initially when we started out it was may 5th 2020 so tomorrow is oh, the two right. year yeah. anniversary of mm-hmm. when we started our testing program we started out only serving people who were uninsured with testing and then we kept hearing in the community hey but I can't get a test either. And I have insurance and I can't get a test. And, and it just felt like as, um, as an organization that cares for the health and well-being of our community, that we needed to expand what we, what we were doing. And, and we did. And we put out a call for volunteers. And over the two years, 300 people responded. That's terrific. 300 volunteers Mm -hmm. who, you know, maybe they were there once or twice, but still. And probably a core group of about 50 who were just absolutely dedicated to doing this this work with us. And then we caught the notice of the Elkhart uh, County Health Department. Mm -hmm. And they said, hey, you're doing a really good job of what needs to happen. The state wants to get in on this. And and so then we became a state-funded um, testing site. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we would test an average of 250 people a day. And then at one point, uh, during a couple of surges, we were uh, usually in November of hmm. 2020, 2021, we were at, um, you know, 350, 400 people a day coming through our testing wow. site. That's amazing. Backing up onto sixth street or, or, yeah, and then we moved to Shanklin Park, mm-hmm. which the city was great. They just worked with us to be able to do that. We went back to Plymouth United Church of Christ. We had another surge. Mm-hmm. We ended up then, now our testing site is at Silverwood Mennonite, and and we will close it on June 30th. Yeah, but boy, what, a, what, what an amazing run. So as, you know, as we... As we get toward you know the end of the program here, the one thing I wanted to make sure and ask was, what have we learned? And as Lou Holtz would say, where do we go from here? Right. What have we learned? We've I think we've learned that the the well being of our community mm-hmm. is not dependent on our individual rights. It's dependent on our responsibility to the common good. And I think that that, from my point of view, that's where my faith takes me. Mm -hmm. And that's where the mission of Center for Healing and Hope takes us, is into um, 
the the responsibility that we have to the common good, to helping each other to stay healthy, helping each other to access resources, and being willing to put yourself out there mm-hmm. in a way that is going to be what do I want to say? That is that is going to help our community. That thrive. we're going to be able to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. It would seem to me, um, you know, one last question. Yeah. It would seem to me that the Center for Healing and Hope proved itself, if you will. Um, may not be the right term. It's the only one I can find right now. But you really proved yourself over the, especially in the testing realm, over this last 18 months. How do we make sure that that, that, that um, partnership between the community and the Center for Healing and Hope continues now that people have been able to go, whoa, uh, they know what they're doing. Yeah, that's that's a good question. Uh, we are, we do serve a specific population of mm-hmm. people in general. Mm-hmm. Testing served a wider, but in general, um, we do not. Aside from the t- state testing grant, we do not receive any federal funds. We are funded by um, patient copays, which are minimal, mm-hmm. and. Uh, contributions, grants, those kinds of things. And in order for us to continue the work that we do and make a difference in the community, then yeah, we we need the funding. Hopefully those partnerships will continue. This yeah. 15 minutes went way too fast. We got to do it again sometime really soon and address some other questions. Right. Melissa, thank you very much. You are welcome. The Sound of Service has been presented in part by DJ Construction. Decidedly different Thank you for joining us on Sound of Success. You can also tune in for Sound of the Economy, The Sound of Service, and Sounds Around Town, all here on The Sound of Goshen. I'm your host, Vince Turner.